Hello and welcome again to Famous CFC Podcast, where each episode offers a deep dive into the wonderful history of Chelsea Football Club. My name is Gary Barone and I'm joined as usual by Clark Dorian, Rick Glanville. Hello mate, how are you? Rick, I'm absolutely fine. Now one of the great traditional events in football's calendar is almost upon us. The magic that is round three of the FA Cup. Yeah. Pitting the small fried dreamers from non-league against the biggest and brashest in the game. I remember when I was a boy, it was the biggest thing you could do was get into the FA Cup and see how far your team will go. And that the eve of the third round was the most exciting. And I always believed we could do it. We didn't do it that often, but I always <laughs> believed we could. <laughs> but it was something about the FA Cup. It was like um, you know, a, like a league campaign uh, squashed into a few months. And you know, you invested as much as you possibly could for one of the biggest prizes in the game. Uh, you know, it's the oldest competition in, in world football, for God's sake. It's an amazing prize. But also, there's more media focus on it. You know, games were covered more excitedly. The final was covered live. You know, we'll c- touch on all of these things. But there's something about the magic of the FA Cup that it is more focused. It's a kind of discrete competition rather than a, you know, a week-in, week-out uh, drudgery, <laughs> which it can be. And hope springs eternal for that third round which is the moment the competition gets serious when the top two english leagues join in the fray and talking about childhood memories i always remember uh as a as a youngster that you try and follow the third round draw which was carried live on bbc radio 2 in this country and I think on the world service, probably around the world. Um, and that was when the easy listening music of Radio 2 that your parents like to listen to was broken up on a Monday lunchtime, middle of December. And, you know, you might be at school and you'd gather around the radio of a, of a friendly teacher, if you were lucky, or a classmate who'd sneak to transistor uh, into the playground. And then you'd all crowd around and you'd listen. And when your team's name, the ball number and the team associated with it came out, your fate was set in an instant. Uh, and it could be against the, like a top-of-the-table team or a tiny non-league side that you had to look up on a on a UK map, which lots of us unworldly types had to do. Absolutely. Nowadays, of course, it's a slick and some might say overproduced affair on TV, <laughs> but the radio draws had mystery to it. How long has that been a tradition, Rick? Well, the first one, uh, the first... Uh, live radio broadcast of the round three draw was on Monday the 16th of December 1935 and it was a quite a rather stuffed shirt affair from the council chamber of the football association who obviously run the competition and uh, the tv and radio listings magazine radio times in this country their preview said I quote today for the first time listeners are to hear an outside broadcast of an event that is to affect the fortunes of 64 football clubs in their competition for the FA Cup, which each of them, to say nothing of its supporters, is so anxious to win. Um, So that's the big build-up for the first radio broadcast of the round three draw in December 35. But before then, uh, the draw would be just done behind closed doors at the council chamber of the FA, and then would kind of be, you know, uh, smoke would go up and they'd inform the radio stations and the newspapers. And that's how you'd find out later. You'd hear it uh, read out on the uh, on the radio or you'd read about it in the, usually the evening newspapers, of which there were m- very many in this country back then. 
Oh, yes, the anticipation and the trepidation. Well, your name came out first, so you're at home or second and therefore away. Wherever the visitors would take a big crowd, we'd had some momentous third round games in the FA Cup. And a little later, we'd be sharing some memories with wonderful 1970s Chelsea winger and Chelsea TV pundit, Clive Walker. Yeah, we will indeed. But, uh, but first, I thought I'd set out a little historical context as usual. Because um, it is quite interesting. Because... Uh, although in 1915, so way back then, you know, uh, 107 years ago, Chelsea actually became the first football league side from London, football league side from London, people listening, to reach the FA Cup final. We'd only actually played uh, our first third round proper match. So that's after the qualifying rounds and round one and round two. The first proper round three match on the 25th of February 1911. That was a 2-0 a win at Wolves. So that's just like four years earlier. Uh, we reached the semi-final that, that season in uh, 1911, but then we lost to Newcastle. But what's remarkable is that six years before 1911, the club hadn't even existed. So it's quite a brilliant start for, from nothing to have reached the semi-final in 1911, six years after we founded, and then four years after that, we reached the final. It is quite a, a brilliant uh, track record, to be honest. Yeah, quite remarkable. But anyway, I presume prior to that, we'd been beaten in the early qualifying rounds. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. We bowed out quite, <laughs> quite rapidly before then, um, which I suppose you'd expect for a brand-new start-from-scratch club. Um, and those losses include the bizarre occasion on the 18th of November 1905, so in our very first season, in our FA Cup debut, when the authorities forced Chelsea to field two teams on the same day, different matches in league and cup. And so our second string, effectively, uh, was beaten 7-1 at Crystal Palace, while the first team kept our promotion challenge alive um, at home to Burnley with a 1-0 win in the league. So who did we beat in the third round on the way to reaching that first final in 1915? Oh, you'll never guess, Gary. It was Go on, tell other. me, tell me. <laughs> none other than this season's round three opponents, Manchester City! <laughs> so there's a nice omen, maybe. Um, the winner came Absolutely. from... striker. Yeah, isn't it? The winner came from striker Bob Thompson, who is... Another claim to fame, almost certainly Chelsea's first player with a disability. Um, he had the use of one eye. And when questioned what he did when the ball came to him on that side, Bob would say, I close my good eye and play for memory. <laughs> it's good to know that Chelsea embraced diversity then as well. Absolutely right. <laughs> anyway, it's always nice to meet to beat one of those big boys in the FA Cup opener, isn't it? Oh. And that was certainly the case in 1947 against Arsenal. This is the Gaumont British News, presenting the world to the world. Tens of thousands of football fans came to Highbury for the thrill-packed third-round replay between Chelsea and Arsenal. And well over 53,000 spectators were packing every available inch of space. The kickoff and the start of a grueling two-hour battle on a heavy pitch. 
81 minutes play, and then the crowd roars as the Arsenal centre-forward Rook takes a return pass from Logie and smashes in a magnificent goal. Yes, the game looked in the bag for the Arsenal, but four minutes later, the ever-dangerous Tommy Lawton seized his chance, and it's a Chelsea goal. With the score one all, the struggle began again for an extra half hour, but with no further score, honours were equally divided until the third chapter of the Chelsea-Arsenal serial. So that replay that we've just heard from ended 1-1. So a third match uh, was required, and that was played at White Hart Lane, Tottenham's ground. And in that, the mighty Tommy Lawton scored twice, both goals in a 2-0 win, and both uh, crosses were delivered by on-loan Celtic winger Johnny Pateson, who I knew very well. Lovely fella. Um, Very proud of his Chelsea association. And I actually arranged for him to be interviewed um, in the 2010s when we faced Arsenal again in the FA Cup by ITV News. They played video of his crosses and Lawton's goals and had his reaction to it. And he was a lovely fella, Johnny. Um, but, I mean, distressingly, the reason that they wanted to interview him was that we hadn't beaten Arsenal in that in the competition since then, since 1947. Well, they certainly beat us in the two semi-finals we reached in the 50s. And we didn't go as far as that again for more than a decade. No, and it's it's a real shame because, obviously, like all clubs, our fans loved the FA Cup and they would dress up in fancy dress, take panners to the to the games and travel in huge numbers on trains. Uh, if you look on any of the big picture agencies, you'll find uh, shots of like whole people leaning out of whole trains with Chelsea banners and scarves and things like that going to away games. So it was a real shame that we didn't... Uh, do anything like we should have done. And actually, and we've discussed this, winning the cup was as important as the league to most people back then. Um, you know, it was the, uh, certainly uh, in more recent years, it, uh, until until sort of like the modern era of football coverage, it was the only live game that was, the final was the only live game that was shown all year. So you could watch that and then act out all the best goals and, you know the the whole razzmatazz and pageantry of the of the FA Cup was different to the sort of kind of bump and grind of the uh, of the football league campaign. But of course, we did reach the final for the second and third times in 1967 and 1970, and famously won the final replay against Leeds. And what a magnificent achievement that was! Uh, and both times in our third round openers, and we are focusing on the third round because hopefully we're going to go all the way again this year. Um, we won three 0 against Ipswich in 1967 and Birmingham in 1970. So you know, pretty good starts. Yeah, it's probably fair to say though we've had more than fair share of. Third round shocks. <laughs> well, part of, that is really part of our history. We've actually gone out in round three 18 times uh, through the years. And I, that hasn't actually happened. We haven't been knocked out in round three since that crazy game at the bridge, the 5 3 um, against Man United in January 98, when we won the second half of that match 3 2. But <laughs> the proviso, small detail, that they'd led 3-0 at the break, so they won 5-3. Um, still, we currently have an unbeaten run of 25 years in round three, which is pretty amazing. So all those stories of us losing to all the tiny clubs and going straight out of the uh, of the cup in January and season over and all that, long gone. Well, let's hope it continues. I can remember some decent third-round ties, though, since 98. 
a 6-1 at Hull City just before mm. Christmas, I think it was, in 99, when Gus Poit grabbed a hat-trick, and a few really good lower league visitors who filled the entire end at Stamford Bridge, like Macclesfield in 2007, Portsmouth 2012, Peterborough, Morecambe, and, of course, our only non-league opponents for way over a century, Chesterfield, last season. Yeah, and... And that is again all part of the pageantry of having you know five six thousand away supporters at at Stamford Bridge really changes the atmosphere, and you know those rich accents from the West Country or the Northwest or Northeast or whatever really adds to the the flavour of the occasion. Um, but those were teams like Macclesfield, Morecambe, Chesterfield, etc. The old musical joke Chelsea would have expected to slip up to, but they were absolutely comfortable victories. So we are a different animal these days. Um, of course, we've won this oldest competition in the world eight times, and that's more than anyone except Manchester United and Arsenal. We love the FA Cup. I can't think of a moment I love the Cup more than a legendary occasion in January 1978 when we were very much the third-round underdogs. And after the break, we talk all about that with man of the match, Clive Walker. Did you hear that a Lionel Messi trading card recently sold for over $500,000 on Golden Auctions? Golden is the leading and most trusted destination for some of the most significant pieces of sports and pop culture collectibles. And better yet, it's not just for high ticket items. Golden's new always on marketplace and weekly auctions start at just $5. That means collectors of all kinds can enjoy the same quality, convenience, and seamless user experience that Golden is known for. Whether you are looking to buy, sell, grade, or vault, Golden has something for everyone. It is your one-stop shop destination for the love of collecting. Looking to buy a collectible? Good idea. While the S&P 500 fell by an average of nearly 20%, collectibles like trading cards actually increased in value. Looking to sell a collectible? Now is the time to do it. Golden is offering all sellers up to 50% off marketplace fees before February 17th. Head over to golden.co to get started. That's G-O-L-D-I-N dot C-O to get started. Great to see you again, Clive. Always lovely to see you, mate. And really, thanks so much for joining us for this, what is our FA Cup Round 3 episode. And let's start with your dream FA Cup debut at 3pm on Saturday, the 7th of January, 1978, when Liverpool were the visitors to Stamford Bridge. So what noise and what a game in prospect as Liverpool attacked the goal to our right. Those of you watching in black and white, we apologise. There's a bit of a clash in terms of colours. Liverpool in all red, of course. Chelsea in all blue, but Chelsea have the white socks. Ball on a play. Chelsea's throw. Five Walker to Bill Garner. Really does look lively, Walker. Driving that ball! Oh, goal! Clements puts his head in his hands, and Clive Walker has scored for Chelsea. What a shot! And what delight! And what dejection! Walker let that one go, and Clements should have had it. Keeping possession nicely. Here's the cross towards Bill Garner. Taking it nicely! And another one for Walker! Fourth one for Chelsea. What a remarkable cup tie. So uh, Clive Walker gets his second goal 
and he'll be the first to admit that it was made by Bill Garner. Chelsea 4, Liverpool 1. A bad day for Liverpool, a brilliant one for Chelsea, but here's Highway, it's all over! And Chelsea are through to the fourth round, 4-2 winners! What do you remember about what the build-up so what was really a huge game against the then European champions? Yeah, I, well, I, I think I can remember what had happened earlier on in the season. Um, I'd obviously started playing as a young lad um, and getting involved in the team. And I think it was more about playing on a regular basis. Yeah. Christmas. Yeah. And then, of course, we knew this game was coming up. So it was important that you were in it, you were in the team. And I think... The position I played, being a winger, you know, in and out of form. Sometimes you played, sometimes you didn't. So I wasn't sure whether I'd be playing on a regular basis, but I'd started to make a mark in the league. So I was hoping that I'd be in this game because, again, Liverpool are at that time the best club side in the world, mm -hmm. um, winning everything, European champions. And, you know, you just want to put your mark against some of the, what you believe <laughs> in our profession would be some of the greatest players around. So... It was uh, it was a it was a that was kind of the fans were getting excited and uh, we were in training as well so yeah all built up to what was going to be hopefully a big game for us obviously we didn't know at the time but we wanted to perform yeah Clive I'd love to hear you talk us through your two goals uh, for example why did you fancy that pot shot against the great international keeper Ray Clements for that vital opener do you know what happened was on the day. For some reason, they, they swapped Joey Jones and Phil Neal over. The fullbacks, yeah. The only reason I can believe they swapped was that Joey Jones was going to kick lumps out of me. <laughs> so the two fullbacks swapped positions, which was odd. And I just thought, I'm going to get kicked to pieces here. However, it, I don't think they understood that I, I actually relished those sorts of players because I knew once I got beyond Joey, he, there was no coming back. He couldn't catch me. Phil Neal was, was a clever player clever players are difficult to play against doesn't matter how quick you are but putting in someone who's just going to kick me i just had to avoid him and get beyond him um and i think once i got beyond him you know it's then, then it's down to me so i think what was was a positive one going into the game um get past joey and then they've got a problem not not me i think what happened was it came from a throw in i mean i took the throw in and got the reverse pass and I went on, and Joey, I knew, was behind me. But I looked up, and by the time I approached the corner of the box, there's no one past it. And I got defenders coming at me, and I thought, do you know what? Have a pop. And you just, it was just a head down and, and hitting as hard and as powerful as possible. Um, I know Jason Cunningham's pulling my leg even today to say that was a great cross that went in the top corner. But, but trust me, it was a, it was a shot for goal. And uh, on the day it went in and, you know, it started us off on a, on a fabulous day. You actually beat him at his near post, didn't you? I mean, that's the, he, he sort of, almost like he didn't want to touch it. It was too hot. Yeah, I think at the time, um, he may have thought he was going into the side netting. Mm -hmm. And for me, from my angle, it was going in all the way. So I think when I've seen it over and over again, as you do over the years, as the years <laughs> roll on, you you look at it and try and analyse it in a different way. And there is no other way to analyse it. This was going in. Um, whether he made a mistake, whether he couldn't get there, because I did catch it as possible. It was flying, so it was too quick for him. I don't know. But, um, 
it's a it's a strange situation to find yourself in full of excitement full of buzz you know a packed house the crowd went absolutely berserk yeah, we did. and all of a sudden you're beating we're, we're a team struggling with a lot of youngsters in the side not mm-hmm. much experience apart from Ron Harris, of course yeah um but but uh you you're thinking it's early in the game there's a long way to go but this was a, a moment of joy and you got a second as well clive how about that the fourth which sealed it really the fourth one yeah the fourth one came about with um Bill Garner getting involved. I actually love Bill Garner as a player and a bloke. You know, he's a nice bloke to me as a young young man. He was he was a player you could play around. He wasn't a ma- magnificent goal scorer, but he was a target man. And I, as a target man, you're always thinking, pick up loose balls. I can pick up seconds. And Bill was one of those players. And it was funny because when it came across to him, he just chested down and almost lost his balance. Mm. But I I took one backwards instead of forwards, and I think by making that step back, it just gave me the space to be at a far home. So I think it was a nice bit by me, but good skills by Bill as well. So, Clive, the FA Cup is often a chance for a young player to make a name for themselves, and you were only 20 at the time. Uh, what yeah. had already been a breakthrough season for you. But has it feel now, from your perspective, to play such a big part in what was and still is the most celebrated and brilliant Chelsea victory? Um, at times, I'm overwhelmed by it in many ways because it's such a long time ago in your head as a, as a, as a career. You look back at your career and look back at many, many games, but this one just keeps popping up time and time again. So I'm very pleased and very honoured, um, a bit humbled by it, but I think it's, uh, it, was a, it was a stage for me that, that worked. And a lot of times you can go onto a stage like that and it doesn't work. So from that aspect, you know, very, very pleased to have been a part of it. Ecstatic to have scored twice. Um, but as my dad would have probably told me at the time, why didn't you get three? Um, but so pleased to be getting the, the obviously the start, the good first goal, which um was was a was a big goal on the day. Um mm-hmm. And I mustn't forget, you know, when you look back at it and look at some of the names that were playing Liverpool on that day, you know, Kenny Dalglish scored and David Johnson, God rest his soul, who's just passed away. You know, these players scored goals who you you idolised in many, many ways as being top, top players. To be a part of uh, a game that they're involved in uh, and to win, of course, but to score, score goals was always something I always did. So it was... Uh, it was a great start, or great start for my FA Cup career, if you if you like. That's not your only goal you're remembered or uh, revered for, I should say, Clive. It's the obviously the the goal at Bolton that saved us from relegation in in uh, 1983. So uh, that's another. Yeah. But that sort of sums up really the sort of Chelsea of those days, doesn't it? Well, it does, and I think I think people have to realise. Yeah, people who watch. Chelsea, I was funny enough, I was coming out of the ground the other day and there was a couple of lads behind me talking about matches. And one of them said, oh, I remember a game. Oh, can you remember that game? 2019. And I went, and I turned around, and obviously I didn't know who I was, but their memories, we went to 2019. I was I was a shock, but, you know, for people who were around in, in those days, you know, from, from when I started, obviously, that season um, and playing that game against Liverpool, but towards the end of my time at Chelsea, scoring the goal against Bolt. And then that game, um, again, you're out there to win the game. 
we had a fabulous following on the day and to um the god was big and has got bigger ever since it wasn't that big at the time in my head but since then a lot of people have talked about bigger and bigger and actually speaking to ken bates many many years later you know yeah that possibly could have been the goal that that stopped him flattening the club so thank goodness it went in did he ever repay you for the shirt that you handed to the crowd in 1983 and he charged you for Ken Bates yeah I'm surprised you're asking me that question Ken wouldn't repay anybody (laughs) no I mean I think it cost me about 18 quid I threw it (laughs) over the fence I had to repay the club for it which is ridiculous because if it ruined the set they'd have to buy a new set but it was just a punishment that was taken out of my wages and I think I think uh, there's a couple of other players who who got uh, who got fined for it as well but you know what it was worth it. And I, I and the shirt is now in the uh, club museum, which is great. The club have bought the shirt now. So very, very pleased for that. So it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a memory that Bolton day because, uh, although the Liverpool day was a, was a game for me personally, I think the Bolton day was, a, was a day for the football club. So Clive, you must have had childhood dreams about playing in the FA Cup. And did you watch the 1970 FA Cup final replay against Leeds? Um, do you know what uh, the 67 League Cup final um, Chelsea were in FA Cup final FA Cup final mm, yeah I remember that watching that um, but at the time I'm I'm still at school so I, I think and of course I came from Oxford so um, as a kid you go and watch Oxford United play although they were a non-league side at the time so you always had your own team. Um, and mine actually wasn't Chelsea, which which I'm ha- not happy to say. But I wasn't going to say, Clive. Was as, a, as, a, as a kid at school. But as soon as Chelsea were interested, um, you changed tack. And then, of course, I would have watched probably that 70 Cup final time and time again since. So uh, joining the club in 73. So, yeah, around that time, I'm well aware of the players that played, the score and and who should have been sent off and who shouldn't. Do you think that was a that was a bit of still a bit of a millstone around players who came afterwards that there was that to measure up to? That the old players were still around the club and that, you know, that everyone had to measure up to that 1972. Yeah, I think from uh from what those players did in those days, and you know, we're talking about you know the Ozzies and the Huddies and the, the Pete Housemans and all these guys that, that played in those days and Peter Benetti. There was an aura about them that mm-hmm. uh, a slight arrogance, if you like, about mm-hmm. them. So if you're a kid coming through, learning your trade was by watching them play and train. A lot of it wasn't in those days wasn't about what they said because they could be quite brutal to us youngsters, um, and we it was their way of trying to make us better better players or better people. That was the idea in those days. So you had to be strong mentally to stand up to the situation and you were expected to live up to the level they they had got to and they had achieved so Chelsea was a big name uh, in those days and you know obviously a first division side that needed to win things um unfortunately for me I suppose maybe I came either around too late mm. or too early yeah but it was a period of Chelsea's life that was uh, very very difficult through the through the seventies because you had to achieve what 
the other players had achieved and and we couldn't quite get there. Not great success, but great days. We loved following you home and away. In <laughs> That's those true. Days. That's you know. very true, Rick. You know, they were not great days on the field, not great mm. days um, winning things, but great days to be a part of. And I think a lot of the fans who were around in those days agree with that. Yeah. You know, there was a, such a buzz and an atmosphere yeah. 95% of the time that you can never forget. We we sort of came close to uh, the semi-finals at least in the FA Cup twice when 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 you were there once seventy eight because after we beaten Liverpool we smashed yeah. Burnley six two in the next round yeah and then you'd think oh we've only we've drawn Orient in the next round it's a bye <laughs> we're yeah. going through to the quarterfinals of course we we all know that that's you know this is the highs and lows of Chelsea it was just typical of the of the club. That what happened next is we lose to Orient. Uh, I mean, it's such a shock that how how did that? How much of a setback for a young team was that loss? That do you know what? That was a massive, massive blow at the time. Massive. You know, the lads were so disappointed um, with the result, and obviously we we didn't play well. So um, on the day, I think it was Peter Kitchen, wasn't it, who mm. ran us riot really. Um, and they were nothing special, Orient, as we know. But on again, it's the FA Cup, and and the FA Cup has always given results, and still does today, which which is why we love it so much. That it still give the unexpected results, and that's why lower league teams thrive the opportunity to play against the big guns. I mean, you can look back at the the seventy eight game against uh, Liverpool and say, well, maybe we were massive underdogs on the day because <laughs> yeah. of the position we were in the league the position Liverpool Great were, point. Mm. and the amount of competitions that they won in, in the last two or three seasons. So on a scale, it was us again, wasn't it, against yeah. against Orient. So it's, it was disappointing, massively disappointing. The lads was, were absolutely gutted because we felt maybe we had a chance to get to Wembley. The, the thing is, though, after that Orient defeat, we lost our next three FA Cup matches. We lost in the third round in 79, 3-0 at Old Trafford, who were under Dave Sexton at the time. I should add, there was a row strike that day, which caused me no end of grief. 1980, <laughs> at home to Wigan, a few days after thrashing Newcastle 4-0 at Stamford Bridge. That was when Jeff Hurst was manager. And the next year, we lost 3-1 at the delegate Southampton with Colin Lee trying his own up front. Um so 10 years on from the win of 1970, we didn't even seem close to a return. But did you, the players, believe it was still possible? I think I think from the players, the FA Cup was, was always a highlight. So whatever the league position was and where we were, I think we could we were definitely in that frame of mind to to put the league to one side. However, you know, we just came up against teams on the day that did what we did to Liverpool, basically. You know, Wigan, yeah. you know, I just even today I can't believe that that, that scoreline. That was probably one of the biggest lows in the FA Cup for me. Yeah. And uh, although today, all these years later, I can't remember a great deal about the game, the result sticks mm. in my throat, you know. It makes your heart think, sink, doesn't it? Just thinking about it. Does, it does, and, it, and it, <laughs> you think to yourself, how did that, how did that happen? It was a rock-hard pitch, though, wasn't it, that night? Yeah. You remember that because it was just a nightmare. Didn't it rain as well? 
Yeah, it was horrible. Rain la- later in the game and made it like a skating rink. Yes. Literally. Um, and there, it wasn't, if I remember, the, the fan, wasn't that many fans in as well. Mm. Um, and it was, it was a difficult, difficult game to play in. Or, or it was a leveller, I guess, from Wigan's point of view. Um, mm-hmm. And on the day, they, they, they got the win and, and we have to hold our hands up. Because I think this is where it's very difficult to, um, to, to make people understand today what it was like to play on our pitch in those days. I mean, we all know Stamford Bridge's pitch back in the 70s, even through the yeah. 80s, was not the best. No. It could have been one of the worst. Um, and when you get it frozen and wet, it's, a, it's an absolute leveller for the opposition. <laughs> so just, just a, it was a completely disappointing period, to be honest, in the FA Cup. And, and you just... Wish, wish you could do it all again, don't you? On a better pitch. But we did break the curse, though, Clive. In 1982, we finally got a third round win. We won two 0 up at Hull. Now, did that campaign start to feel a bit different? I think every campaign feels different when you get the first one under your belt. Mm. Um, not the best place to go to either. Uh, Hull. Yeah, Boothbury Park. Yeah, Boothbury Park. Yeah, yeah. At, at the time. Um, but again, you know, again, it was it was like. Um, I don't want this to sound rude. Like a lot of northern teams, in many ways, that you could go to, like Hull and Wigan and I don't know Scarborough, Lincoln, all these clubs, very very similar. And it was you knew it was going to be tough, but if you get the win, you just come away and and I, as we did in those days, have a few beers on the bus going home. And, <laughs> really brilliant. <laughs> and, and just and just forget about the game in many respects. You've got the win. You're in the next round. So. It's not. It's not a. It's not a joyful exercise going all the way to Hull. Weather's <laughs> never going to be that good in the third round of the FA Cup. Um, so you've got to just get the best you can out of it and get through to the next round. And that's probably all we were pleased about at the end of the day. And uh, enjoy our trip home. I love the idea of the coach stopping at an off license in New York, piling out and buying. <laughs> Find some cans for the journey. Well, often did that. Often did that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we often did that at different times. You know, if there wasn't enough drinks on board, and it didn't always have to be beers. It could be yeah. vodka and gin and tonic. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it could be uh, soft drinks and yeah. uh, you know, orange juice and things like that. But uh, yeah, it's usually the beers that usually went down Fantastic. well. Fantastic. Um, so, so, yeah, it was just, and of course, you know, game of cards with the lads on the bus on the way back, you know, four or five hour trip, not very nice and from the northeast, but, you know. Buzzing though. You're buzzing and, and, it, and, and it actually makes the journey a lot, seem a lot shorter than what it actually is. So you're just trying to enjoy yourself. Thus, uh, with all this, these energy drinks that you, <laughs> that you had, uh, we beat Wrexham in round four, then Liverpool again. Oh, that is another brilliant result, especially for a, a yeah. we were second division uh, by now. So what a result to beat them 2-0 in the fifth round. Yeah, it was. Neil.
and then so look, we're in the quarterfinals, two steps from Wembley, and then what happens? We lose three two to Spurs, having led one 0 at the break. That must have been gutting. Yeah, was that away? I was at the bridge. Mickey Fillery scored that free kick at the beginning. I remember the free kick, but I don't remember the game. Isn't that funny? And it, it might be probably wiped out, out of your memory from grief. Well, probably because it was against Tottenham. Full house. <laughs> don't, like, don't like to lose to Tottenham, but yeah, no. it's yeah. I mean, you go on a journey with the FA Cup. The FA Cup back in the day was very, very special. Um, I like to think it's still special today, but it, a lot of its edge has been lost. Um, and I like to think that you know when you win an FA Cup game or you win the FA Cup itself outright. That's the feeling you want of winning the trophy. And unfortunately, in those days, it wasn't coming our way. But, you know, I mean, even to beat Liverpool again was superb, was fabulous. Yeah. Um, Colin, Colin Lee and, and Peter Rhodes-Brown. Um, yeah, good day. Yeah, you set up Colin Lee's, don't forget. You, yeah, yeah. I don't suppose you counted assists in those days, but that was a... no. I should go back and count them now because I'm sure there's a but. That's for a bonus. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to call in for an extra bit of money, but I don't think that'll go down well. But yeah, I remember the Colin Colin Lee one goalkeeper. I think it was Bruce Goldberg. I made made an error and mm-hmm. uh, put it mm-hmm. dropped it at his feet. It was from my cross. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, you remember things like that. Now, finally, Clive, our recent track record of reaching FA Cup finals is really good. Five in the last six, no less. That's something your generation could only dream about. But now we've lost three in a row. What ingredients do you think might be missing from those performances? Wow, that's a big question. That is, I mean, for me, for me, a lot of the time is is belief. But I, I, I always think, oh well, I have thought over the last maybe what eighteen years or so since before when Roman came in, the football club has won a lot of trophies. And as a football club, when you're winning trophies, it becomes a habit. And that's the, that's the one thing I don't want to lose from the club. Now, we know what we've won over the last 17, 18 years. Um, the FA Cup has been part of that. And, you know, we've been one of the top sides, not only in, in England, but also in the world, in our football. So the FA Cup is a big thing for us. So to lose that edge is 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 not good. I like I like that edge that we have of winning trophies. So if we can get back to that now, mm. that'd be magnificent because I think the season as it stands at the moment, we're not quite at full strength, at full power. We've we've got a few players out injured, important players in my opinion. And if we can get those back within the next four to four to five weeks, you know, it makes it makes a big difference to what happens the rest of the season. So yeah, get through the round, get through the next round, next couple of rounds and get players back to fitness and maybe they'll fire us up to help us through to hopefully winning the FA Cup. Wow, Clive, magnificent. Thank you so much for that. Cheers, Rick. Rick, I really enjoyed speaking to Clive then. Uh, I found it really interesting to find out what he what he remembers about that and the mm. fact that the Liverpool swapped the fullback to try and curtail his style. Uh, I think that... Joey Jones only got close to him when we signed him a few years later, didn't he? <laughs> but um, but also the fact he knew he was in with a shout against them and the, the fact that he remembers 
what he was going through his mind when he took that shot. Fantastic. The other thing about Clark, I should say, is I'm pretty sure that I saw every minute of his performances for Chelsea, home and away. I think <laughs> I saw the whole lot. Loyal supporter, mate. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I don't know why, but I'm proud of it. <laughs> also, on a current note, I really like Clive's observation that we need to restore that winner's mentality that we've had for for two decades. I think that's supremely important. Um, and on, actually, not that Clive mentioned it, but another thing, we have a lack of shooting in the current team, and we could do with the kind of pop shot from distance that Clive excelled at and the one that beat Ray Clement so easily. Well, after all that, I think I'm going down with cup fever. So, me Wembley, too. here we come again. Well, maybe. You've been listening to the famous CFC podcast with me, Gary Brown, and him, Rick Glanville, with very special thanks to our guest, the great Clive Walker. If you liked it, please tell your friends and family, rate us and subscribe on whichever app you're using and help us promote Chelsea's heritage. Thanks for stopping by. Up the Chelsea.